Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I am one of your hosts, Alex Croson. Of course, we got Mr. Casey Clapp. Hello, Alex Croson. Hello, Casey Clapp. It's good to see you here today. Happy Triazaki, Casey. Happy Triazaki to you, too. This you know what I just learned? What did you just learn? Nope, never mind. Everything's okay. All right. <laughs> thought Some I had devastating news somewhere. Yes, yes. I thought that I had unfortunately made an incorrect link link. Oh. But in fact, it had correctly linked to what I was trying to go to. Well, wonderful. So everything's worked out great. Wow. Good tension and release right at the top of the episode. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> <laughs> uh, happy Triazaki, everybody. This is, of course, our month long exploration of the trees of Studio Ghibli and the films of Hayao Miyazaki. That's right. Well, of course, last week we talked about Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. Great film. Yes, in the spirit world filled with all the kami hanging around, getting washed. That's right. <laughs> That's what they do. And then, of course, this week, hey, we got another kami case. Whoa, this one is a specific kami, though. This is not just a general kami. It's true, Yes. There are there are a few there are a few, but we're talking about one big fuzzy kami. Yeah, that's right. And that is my neighbor Totoro. Now I have a cousin named Totoro, Alex. Wow. Well, this is, is not this, him. This is not my cousin Totoro. No, different guy. Dang it. Your cousin is not a forest spirit. I guess that's probably true. <laughs> yeah. Now I have an ant Totoro. Ah, I know. Is that see, anything like yeah, this? Yeah, it is. It's a different kind of forest oh, spirit. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's also spelled differently. A N T. We this did, is my aunt, Totoro. We did this. Uh, <laughs> he's so small. Yeah. <laughs> we did this bit before we started recording. We did. That was, I forced it on you. Yeah, we're bringing it back. Yes. Um, that's right. We're talking about my neighbor, Totoro. That's right. This is a 1988 Eight. Yes. Yeah, funny enough. This movie came out the year I was born. That's right. Yeah, so now everyone out there, do those calculations. Beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, 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 boop. Casey's right. a ripe old 35 years old. I am essentially ancient. As <laughs> someone close in my life says, I'm round up 40. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that, mm-hmm. that is how it feels. Yeah, so there you go. Um, well, this story is about uh, two very young people, a, about a four-year-old and a 10-year-old, I think. Yes, I believe that's correct, yeah. Um, that's, uh, of course, Satsuki and May, mm-hmm. uh, two young girls who, hey, just like the last movie we watched... Move out to the country. Exactly. There's a theme here. For far different reasons. Yes, 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 yes. But we are going to talk all about that in a bit because today we're talking about a tree, of course, as we do every episode, Casey. That's right. And could we have chosen any other tree 
for this movie's discussion than the camphor. Yes, of course. It was obvious. Everyone knew it. Yep. It's like a character in the film. It is, yeah. I Well, literally, because Totoro... That's right. ...is the spirit, the kami spirit of this particular tree. It doesn't necessarily... Uh, in, in Shinto, there's not like, though that's a spirit for... Uh, rather, the spirit for all these kinds of trees. They each have their own spirit. That's right. So Totoro, in this case, is the spirit for this very particular gigantic camphor tree. Yeah, it is enormous. And I want to talk about that. But Casey, we're going to drill this into people's brains for the next month or so. Oh, yeah. We are moving from Patreon to our brand new subscription-based premium service that we're calling Tremium. That's right. And we want you to move with us. We want you to live with us. We want to be roommates. That's what we're saying. That's <laughs> we what we're saying. We love you. Will you marry us? Everyone is going to save a little bit of money. We're uh-huh. all going to have one gigantic uh, kitchen, yeah. and we're going to be able to make huge meals. Uh, I make a killer pizza. We're, we're hoping so. that we get enough people to move in where everybody's rent is about $3. That's what we're hoping for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So come on over. Uh, the water's fine. Yeah. You're going to have a great time. Tremium is, of course, our new support platform, That's Casey. Right. Yes, we're moving away from Patreon. They've been very good to us. If you are currently a patron, check your email. Yes. And we have a we've sent you a migration tool that is like it takes like twenty seconds to switch from Patreon to uh our, our new Tremium service. That's right. And if you're not a Tremium member already or a member of the Patreon, now's the time. Now is the time. It is a very fun thing. We have two great options. One is the tree huggers. Mm-hmm. You get extra content, you get access to all sorts of stuff. And you get ad-free listening. Yeah, baby. That's right. Add ad-free listening to your life this holiday season. Wow. See what I did there? That was two different kinds of ads. It's like a Macy's commercial. Yeah, it's pretty beautiful. Pretty beautiful. <laughs> and then we have our second plan, of course, the Cone Club. The Cone Club, which you know, you've heard about it. You've wanted to be in there for so long. You've looked at all the photos and you've done this. <sighs> yeah. I wish I had that. Like uh, the little boy in the Christmas story looking at the rifle in the window. Exactly. The Cone Club is every every month we send you in the in your actual physical mailbox, right. your actual inbox, mm-hmm. uh, cone stickers. Yeah. These are stickers of different conifer cones illustrated by different artists. They're each a different style and uh, they're all independent artists. So when you're supporting Completely Arbitrary's Cone Club mm-hmm. or Completely Arbitrary Tremium, you're supporting not just Casey and I, but all of these all these wonderful artists we work with. It's true. And then all of the wonderful printers we work with. Casey, the one of the most exciting things is that we're now doing gifted subscriptions. Yes. And annual subscriptions. That's right. Get an annual subscription. You save 17%, which that's is amazing. a pretty substantial percent. Hey, that ain't nothing, right. man. It ain't nothing. It's that's certainly like, something. I think that's like two free months, essentially. It's, uh, I think so. It's almost there. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, it's worth it 100% of the time. Definitely. And you can also send us messages, do an AMA, which is at the $6 level, I should note. And it's just going to be a lot of fun. It goes straight into your streams on whatever podcast service you use. So you don't need to go back through here and there and here and there. It's all in one spot. So it is definitely worth your time. We're very excited about it. And you know what? We're just going to say we're very excited to have you here with us. That's right, Case. You just mean like everybody in general. 
yeah, 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 yeah. You, you guys, you guys too, you guys too out there who are not in the club. It's all right. We're not exclusive. I'm like your political handler. Like, what he <laughs> yeah. really means by that is that uh, <laughs> uh, just kind of push me off stage so you can have someone else say the right thing. Thanks, thank you. So go to arbitrarypod.supercast.com or find that link on our website. You can't miss it. Uh, if you want to support the show and get cool rewards in return. That's right. Casey. Alex Carson. Camphor Tree, my neighbor Totoro. It's got to happen after a break. We will be right back with Completely Arbitrary's Teriyazaki. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to Triyazaki. That's right. Today we are talking My Neighbor Totoro, and of course we're talking The Camphor Tree. That's right. It goes without saying. Scientific name? Well, that does not go without saying, Alex. Mm. Used to be, as of like two minutes ago, Cinnamomum Camphora. Wow. Yet, now that we can update, everyone press refresh on your computer. (gasps) Yeah, there you go. Now it is Camphora officianum officianarum actually officianarum yeah i've actually had to say that a few times to make sure i get it right yeah that's a hard one officianarum so this is kind of a a kind of a funny thing because normally you would expect that uh things don't change that quickly whenever we cover them yeah but this actually happened somewhat recently like to the point where i'm kind of like wait do i do I have the right tree? Like, I've had to look back a few different times. This isn't like 20 years ago recently, is it? No, 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 no. This is this is like 2022, 2022. Wow, like last year. Camphora officinarum is the official scientific name as of within the last year. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's accepted, uh, again, because they did this genetic study, this DNA. So they've said, ha-ha, this is over here, and these are over here. These are two distinct lineages that are very closely related. Do you know what their next closest kin is? Hmm. You don't oh, have any, uh, oh, yeah, frogs. Sorry. It is not, in fact, frogs. No. That, was a good, uh, that was a good guess, though. What is it? Sassafras. Interesting. Yes, the sassafras tree is a sister clade. So the camphor tree in... My neighbor Totoro is actually at the time it was a completely different species. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was, it was considered cinnamomum, yeah. which is the same thing as like cinnamon, literally cinnamon, uh, yes. cinnamomum vera. Interesting. Yeah. So there you go. Well, Casey, let's imagine that um, our father mm-hmm. uh, moved us out to the country to be closer to a hospital because ah. our mom is sick. Yes. And we, we show up at this new house. We're very excited. Okay. Um, 
I'm I'm like really annoying and tugging at your skirt. And we Yeah, but you're so cute. <laughs> we oh go explore. And we find a humongous camphor tree. Mm-hmm. Let's ID this tree. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going to start with what you see, which is a gigantic tree. It's massive. You recall last week we talked about, um, uh, I think the term was superfluous trees. <laughs> right. Uh, so, yeah. This is a superfluous tree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it grows. It is the biggest and one of the oldest living broadleaf species in Japan. No kidding. Yeah. So there's conifers that get bigger and taller and live longer. Okay. But for broadleaf species, this is this is the uh, either the Oregon white oak of the West uh-huh. or the Northwest uh-huh. or the tulip poplar of the East of Japan. Right. Man, I'm so good at metaphors today. <laughs> Shit. Ba- basically, it is the biggest, roundest biggest tallest tallest broadleaf tree in japan correct amazing yeah isn't that cool i mean it's certainly represented that way in the film it is it like i i just watched it funny enough this morning that's right yes i've been i was trying to watch it last night ended up just having long nice conversations with a lovely woman named carrie and it was just a goddamn delight we love carrie so by the time 12 o'clock came i was like we're not watching a movie (laughs) we're going to sleep going to fucking bed so um yes you you weren't going to watch this at first well, I had planned to. You I just wasn't to. sure when I was going to be able to. I, oh, I see. I yeah. see. I won't say that. Okay. So I yes, it, my plan is to watch all these because, as you have, we've noted, this is not a movie uh, or even a genre of movies that I've actually been very familiar with. Yeah. I mean, I don't watch a lot of movies. Period. It's, these days, it's, but it's not even like of your taste. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But Which is hard, I, and I appreciate it, you watching these movies, oh, and I hope you. you're taking away something from I very them. much am, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I very much am. Like we talked about last week, I want to see more movies like this that tell modern stories with a uh, an eye to the uh, the spirituality yes. of the place. Yes. So, I am. It's a great marriage. Yes. Um, so, the, that is the thing to see. It's a huge tree yeah. if you let it grow big. They can get up to 100 feet tall, which is like 30 or so meters. Damn. And the biggest one that I uh, read about recently is 25 feet in diameter, just over 25 feet in diameter. 20, oh my God, I can't, I, I like had a hard time wrapping my head around that. Yeah, and wrapping literally anything around it. It's <laughs> huge. Yeah, including a measuring tape. Oh Where'd they get God. something like that? I don't know. That is, that is, uh, that is fucking massive. Oh, for, for context, remember we talked about the Montezuma Cypress yeah. of Mexico? Yeah. What was like, what was the uh, rough diameter of that? I know it's, it's kind of like a multi-stem tree. Yeah, the but, rough diameter is about 38 feet. Okay, so it's, almost comparable yes it's almost and it's in the same like it's in the same tier of giant trees giant trees that's yeah. amazing and so it's just kind of one of those things that you, when you look at it it doesn't jump out at you as being like aha there's a monolith and it's like half of what makes the redwoods and sequoias like so outrageously beautiful and insane yeah is that they look like these huge pillars in the ground that are 34 feet in diameter totally so you just like you can see them they are huge they're in front of you and it's very clear and obvious like it's a column whereas with the tule tree uh which is the montezuma cypress in uh, mexico down in oaxaca and with the camphor tree Mm -hmm. they are like bulbous and they grow in weird ways and they have these deep furrows and 
they look more like overgrown triangles that are like kind of just moving up at this very slow angle with all these big bumps and burls and things. Yeah. So they're way more gnarly looking and they call back more to like an ancient oak in Europe or in Britain or something like that. Yeah. Where like they, you're like, are they still alive or have they fallen apart or are they st- what is going on there they look very like storied yes like, yeah exactly there's a there's some history in that tree yeah. almost like a city it's like a vertical city there's yeah. just like so much happening so much I like love that. visual variety in fact i think i prefer the look of a giant broadleaf tree mm. to a giant conifer yeah you are not alone in that i think a lot of people have that because it's just more complex my friend dan is very much like that yeah there's just it's more interesting i think yeah so yeah i think you're right the complexity of broadleaf trees can be wildly more uh visually rich yeah yeah necessarily a conifer well said different aesthetics probably yeah so the main thing is of course this is a giant tree as we've noted it gets also uh as wide as it is tall which Mm. i thought was very interesting um, I had never quite known this. I haven't seen a camphor tree that I knowingly like was a big one. Like down in LA, they have them. They're planted all over the the world nowadays. Mm. For better or worse, they're actually invasive in like Southern Florida and Alabama, Australia. They're like a scourge. Everyone's really? like, wow. don't come near me with that tree. Interesting. But they, if you leave them to let them grow in these forests, again, in like the same kind of southern area of Japan, the southern kind of mountainous area, they grow from, I think, about 800 feet or 800 meters. I'm sorry, you can't just say 800 feet or 800 meters. That's literally <laughs> off by like two thirds. Uh, they grow in kind of the middle elevations. Okay. Uh, so they want to be not quite super hot, but not quite super cool. And as you go further north, their elevation drops. So essentially, meaning they, it gets too cold at higher elevations for them. Interesting. They're like a very warm, temperate forest versus like semi-subtropical warm kind of temperate forest. And is that kind of the setting of My Neighbor Totoro? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So imagine it like... Uh, if you take the Pacific Northwest and put it in or put the weather of the Pacific Northwest, specifically the west side where Portland is, Seattle mm-hmm. is, but you move it down to, say, central California. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that would be what they are used to. So they cool. can get gigantic. Not only do they get gigantic, but they also tend to like spread out and go down if you mm. leave them be wide open. So they're planted as street trees a lot. Okay. And this is my favorite part. You walk into one, you go underneath this big canopy, you can yeah. see it from miles away. You will see the bark. And Alex, I love this bark. Tell me about the bark. Wow, I cannot believe we're starting with the bark. We're starting with the bark. I'm Huge. imagining right now you're walking into the tree. You, uh, you have to crawl through a little tunnel of shrubs. And then when you actually get underneath those shrubs and you get to the base of this tree and you look up then you're like oh my god the first thing you're going to see is the bark and these craggly branches Mm. coming out and coming down and around so those branches and the trunk are covered in a bark that looks like a mixture between kind of normal semi-subtropical kind of tree bark like kind of gray kind of brown nothing too fancy yeah nothing too special And then if you let it get to a certain size and like don't rub it off or have anything like be growing any moss on it, it looks like sassafras bark. 
which is one of my favorite barks of all trees. Is that that kind of camouflage look? It's not quite camouflaged. Okay. It's more like you have long, skinnyish strips, like maybe uh, maybe about an inch wide, skinny, squarish, rectangular uh, strip mm-hmm. that is broken off by uh, very thin, narrow furrows between them it's kind of like they're they're like a bunch of square puzzle pieces that are just like set up like like uh, you have hardwood floors here it's kind of like hardwood floors where no no edges line up and then they just go up the tree cool and then they curve around and they have these uh very flat tops that are almost like um they look they look like they've been polished but they haven't been and they're kind of dull they just look very smooth so it's like a smooth plate with rough edges next to a smooth plate with rough edges that follows the contours of the tree all the way up and they're they're maybe broken up every three or four inches you know or some are short some are long okay it just creates this amazing pattern wow that's amazing it almost sounds like um i mean this similar to hardwood floor like brick laying or something yes yeah yeah it's very similar in between totally that's exactly a great a great uh, visualization, in my opinion. Sounds gorgeous. So I just love it. It's like a kind of chestnut brown to gray. Mm. And I just think they're so, so lovely, especially because they get so big. Yeah. So they just get everywhere more and more. So you mentioned that this this uh, effect, this phenomenon, only happens with trees that are aged and not fucked with. Yeah, they kind of get, uh, get more so. But then once it reaches a certain age all those kind of break up even more. So yeah. they kind of lose that. Okay. So it's kind of like the middle aged trees oh. that really show off this gorgeous pattern. Cool. Yeah. In fact, some of the sassafras at Hoyt Arboretum here in Portland show the same thing. Again, they're very closely related trees. So you see them growing directly next to each other and you're like, oh yeah, I can see just from the bark that you guys are closely related. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So I just think uh, it's a good place to start looking at the bark i love i love starting with the bark because i'm like that's 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 you know it's to me the bark is sort of like overlooked a lot it is yeah um so a good bark is like ooh, good start and hey uh again because well we're plugging things we're doing now i'm writing a tree book that's right one of the things i have tried to or am trying to elicit is when you start looking at a tree start from the tree and then get closer, and then like, what do you see next? Mm. And I take I took this from a book by Ronald Lanner, who he looks at a tree, he says from afar, then he says from underneath it, then he says in the hand. Wow, and cool. Th- yeah, and that's how he describes it. So I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, that's that's a, a the way that someone would approach a tree. So if you are a small uh, a small four year old girl running through a hole in the forest floor, yeah, and then you pop out and you see this giant tree, or maybe you're with your dad and your sister, and you walk around, and you're like, oh my god, there it is, look at that thing. That's the first thing you're going to see is the bark. Hell yeah. Then you're going to reach up and you're going to grab one of these adorable little leaves. I'm excited about the leaves. This is one of the things that actually helps set apart Cinnamomum from Camphora is that they are alternately arranged around the twig. As opposed to oppositely arranged? Actually, it's sub-opposite in this case. Yes. I've never heard of this. It's it's kind of, it's not rare necessarily, but it's just so less common. What does it mean? It means instead of having trees or rather instead of having your, it means instead of having your leaves and therefore your buds lining up either opposite each other along the twig at uh-huh. that, that's called a node. So wherever you see a leaf and a bud come out because a bud is what tells you there's a leaf there yeah. and the leaf is what tells you there's a bud there. So hmm. you kind of know which one is which. They're self-defining towards each other. Whoa, man. If you have 
them both coming from the same node and they're going off to the left and right, that's opposite. Yeah. If they are offset as they go down the twig, that is alternate. Yeah. If they are just not quite alternate and they're just a little bit offset to where you're kind of like, well, they're overlapping to the point where it's not very clear that they are alternate or opposite. But one is like clearly just a little bit off. Just a little bit off. It's like little steps. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That is cinnamomum. Okay. So cinnamomum is far more specific to having those offset, sub-opposite, sub-opposite to alternate. So sometimes they are very much clearly alternate. Sometimes they're sub-opposite, which means they're just not quite one or the other. Speaking of, you know, sassafras, Mm -hmm. I know that the sassafras leaves have a lot of variety in their sort of growth. Um, so it's, it's, uh, maybe a dead end to, to make a comparison here, but, uh, of the buds being, you know, sub opposite to opposite. Yeah. It might just be that this is a, a very variable kind of group of plants. Yeah. Yeah. In the Lauraceae, I should say they are in the Laurel family. Very fluid. Yeah. They just kind of are like, whatever, man. Sometimes I'm this, sometimes I'm that. Yeah, man. That's like, just the way it grows. Don't put a sassafras in the box. Don't put a camphor <laughs> in a box. Although if you make a box out of camphor, uh. That'll keep the moths away. Wow. As your uh, your grandmother used to say. Great great transition, Casey. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. Well, what do the leaves what do the leaves look like? Uh, the leaves are funny little triangular actually not triangular, they're they're rhombus shaped. Uh, oh. for you uh, plebeians out there, that's a diamond. <laughs> Wow. Anyway. I can't believe you didn't know that. Yeah, that's pretty embarrassing. I was saying that to myself. Oh, I thought you were talking to the, the <laughs> please. Jeez. Sorry, guys. Well, I was in a way. Oh, wow. That's meta, dude. Cool. <laughs> um, so the leaves are, they're kind of these diamond-shaped, glossy green leaves. They're evergreen. So you're always going to see them around all the time. And they, when they first emerge, instead of being red, like the sakaki we talked about last week, they emerge like a bright green mm. to the point where if you go and take like an aerial shot during the springtime, it's like, shing, it looks like the trees like glowing. Wow. As they're put out their new leaves. I do love that new leaf shine. It is so nice, isn't it? Cause they're like, they're also like, um, le- less glossy, but also more glossy. I don't yeah. even know how to describe it. They got it all. Yeah. They just look brand new and yeah. f- soft and fresh. Like everything is just amped up one level. Yeah. So that is uh, how they start. Okay. As they age, they become a little bit more dark green with a lighter green underneath. Mm. And they have more of a yellow vein pattern. And the vein pattern is interesting because it comes out kind of in threes Mm. where you have one vein coming up down the middle and then you have another one that goes up and out to the left and another one that goes up to the right. But they appear like they have three veins, like three main veins. I see. Now I say up here because if you look closely, you'll notice there are there are veins kind of all over the place. There's some a little bit lower and then they kind of split off a little bit. But at first glance, they look like they just have three main veins. You know, the veins look like the the growth pattern of a of a tree, like in winter time. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they have a, that main stock, but then there's 
there's very defined kind of side veins. Yeah. Yeah. So that is uh, another classic thing for the camphor tree. Uh, and then they have this uh, nice acuminate tip where they kind of come out at this very low angle, which is called cuneate is the term, which is the base of the leaf. It looks like a wedge. Wow. So it's a wedge shape, but I honestly hate that description because like, I, I just don't imagine the base of a leaf as a wedge because a wedge generally doesn't have a stem coming out of it. Yeah. So it's kind of a, it just doesn't, it's not intuitive to me it just does it just mean like 45 degree angles exactly or less so sometimes they're very flat sometimes mm -hmm. they're a little bit more closer to 90 okay but for the most part that's what makes them look like diamonds is that they come out at this very low angle and then they just come right back to the tip interesting so they end up creating this diamond shaped look okay. to them and of course they grow out alternately arranged down the stem the stem is yellow and this is another fun thing their buds are like a yellowish red so I'll show you a picture, Alex, right Yeah, here. Casey's flipping his computer. Oh, wow. Yeah, is that yeah, nice? Yeah, they're a little red, like a uh, little, they almost look like berries. They kind of do, yeah. They're just this bright red uh Little bud. pomegranate seeds. Yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> it's perfect. That's exactly mm -hmm. it. And they pop out, so they kind of really like have yellow stems, red buds, green leaves. Wow. So they have like these fun colors to them. I love that. And then to add to it, they have terminal panicles of flowers. I know what this means. Tell us. At the end of the branch, yes. or the twig rather, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, out of the out of the middle of the twig grows the flower. Yes. And it's a panicle, which means that it it's like a uh, it's like a uh, it's like a thing that hangs down. Oh, so close! It's like a thing that hangs up. Yeah. <laughs> With flowers coming out of the sides of it. Yeah, exactly. So um, you have a, uh, this is how I've uh, kind of remembered this. So you have a spike. A spike is just like one single stem that has flower on it, on it, on it, on it. Mm -hmm. Then you can have a raceme, which is the same thing, except each one of those flowers is on a little stem, a little spike itself. With a bunch of flowers at the end of it. it well, a panicle is the same where each one of those is then also broken up. Oh my God. So a spike or a raceme is a spike with spikes on it. A panicle is a raceme with racemes on it. It's wheels within wheels. This is exactly what it is. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Don't worry about it. There's going to be a lovely I, example. Uh, you'll be able to look up one of these days. Uh, 2025. I I will say the thing that you just described to me um, just did not stick at all. <laughs> it, I, it's one of those things you don't know. Like the terms don't mean anything. Oh, geez. Yeah. Flowers are really like, I, you know, I've learned a lot about trees over the last three years. Yeah. Flowers are just like a whole different thing. They really are. They you, are. Yeah. You feel, you're feeling this too. With I am. Your, I'm, with your book. I'm learning more right now. Like as we speak, yeah. like I'm trying to make sure a, I get it right. And B that I know it. Cause you know, you don't want to do something that you are not familiar with, you know, like I don't want to get up here and spout about something and then immediately be like, I don't know what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't help. Well, speaking of things that we're not so familiar with, let's talk about my neighbor Totoro. Let's talk about my neighbor Totoro. Actually, we should say that more specifically, we're going to talk about Kami. Yes. And we mentioned Kami uh, last episode. I don't know if we ever like really explicitly defined what a Kami is. Uh, we didn't really, but we have done it before when we talked about other uh, parts of Japanese culture. That's right. So Kami is just a word that means the spirit living inside something in nature. So everything in nature, every tree, individual tree, yep. rock, leaf maybe 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 it's not that divided no it is yeah i think it maybe not leaf yeah i suppose it's uh if a leaf Tree. is a part of another entity that sure. entity has that entity in it a river yeah. a waterfall all of these things contain a, a spirit 
in them, and those are called kami. Exactly, yeah. So everything generally has it, and if you are trying to conceptualize this and you're not very familiar with Shinto, then conceptualize it as animism is kind of the broad religiosity-ish term for yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of spiritual belief, and a lot of people point to Native American traditions prior to Europeans where they had a very similar idea of how they interacted with their world around them. Everything had a spirit. All those things that had spirits also had personalities that came with them. So you could offend them. You could honor them. Yeah. You know? uh, in this case, uh, with the camphor tree, if there is a spirit living in a tree, then it would be very dishonorable to actually go and cut down one of these trees mm. because you're essentially taking the home away from a spirit. So you're, you're kind of offending the spirit world a little bit there. It seems like a good basis for a religion um, as opposed to uh, you know, a, a lot of Western religions, which are more man holding dominion over nature. Yeah, Alex, this is actually something I think we've talked about it a little bit that I believe that like it's a, it's a big theory I'm working on 20 years from now when I've given up the internet entirely, <laughs> I will have decided probably to go seek a PhD and I would be mm. doing that searching through religion in a way that is talking about exact, that exact idea. Okay. That the religions that we are mostly familiar with are very human-centric. Yeah. I've brought up Catholicism often. And I need to say, this is just my dumb theory. No one should believe me right now. And don't don't come at us and be like, you got that completely wrong. I know. I'm sure I did. It's a thing I've been thinking about, though. The idea that... Uh, what we call Western religions, which is really funny because we only call it that, but they're actually, you know, what we use the East. Anyway. Uh, well, what do you mean? Uh, they're from the Middle East. So like uh, oh, Christianity, Judaism. Islam, Judaism, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's all from a spot that Europeans refer to as the Middle East. And now everyone in the world describes them as Western religions, right? which is, you know, it's just funny how things move around over time. When the world was smaller. Right. Yeah. Quotes. Thank you. I saw the quotes. So yeah. <laughs> um, but essentially, uh, yeah, like in Catholicism, the, the different... Um, saints, they have their um, they have their personalities and their traits that are honorable. You know, yeah. like oh, you should be giving like this person. You should be strong like this person. You know, uh, this is the patron saint of this. You know, and they're all human figures, by the way. Exactly. Not only figures, like gods, like ancient Greek gods were figures as well, but they were personifications. Whereas we are literally saying, be like this person that existed in a literal sense. Interesting. Now we have deified this individual, and that is the way to be. That takes us away from the, the earth and the rest of the spirits that are here. Yeah. Because now we're saying, no, no, no. Be like humans, act like humans, and imagine humans doing human things, rather than saying, uh, no, be like that oak tree, really strong and stoic. Yeah. You know, be like that river, very um, flowing and... Uh, Adaptable. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Alex. And uh, and then like a coyote is a really common uh, figure in Native American traditions hmm. as like the trickster. Like it's a clever, sure. creative, uh, sometimes vilified, sometimes honorable entity. And but, those those are based on the char the kind of character qualities of these animals yeah, and, exactly. and plants and features. Right. And my idea is that if we have given a metaphor, like if we historically had said uh, you give a metaphor to a tree or an animal or a rock or something like that, and you say, ah, this you, you Alex, are just like this thing. Thank you. Then that thing now also has your traits as well. Sure. So we are giving you the traits of the oak 
we're giving the oak the traits of Alex. Mm. So it goes back and forth. Like you, you are marrying those ideas together. Yeah. So that humanizes those things. And now if we do this enough over everything, now we are interconnected because we almost understand the world around us. Yeah. Now I am not going to sit here and say, well, that's how animism started, but... Oh, I want to I want to jump in there really fast oh, yeah, please, to please. say now when somebody comes along and cuts down that oak tree, I feel it. Yes, exactly. I have a personal bond mm-hmm. to this oak tree, not just because I like that oak tree, yeah. but because that it's it's been compared to me and I've been compared to it. Yeah, exactly. And so you have this connection. It is what brings, I think, people together to their natural world. Yeah. It's that interaction. Whether or not that's a metaphysical interaction, like what we're talking about here. Yeah. Or if it's a physical interaction where that's where you get all of the food that you've ever had. When your parent was sick, when your daughter was sick, you went to that tree and you got something from it. And that tree then, you know, gave its power to help you, you know? And that is animism. And that is animism. And it's kind of, you know, I don't want to say that this is how it started because like we talked about last week, these are things that have come up in every culture around the entire world yeah, with yeah. the different plants and environments around them. You literally name a culture that has not come and colonized another place. It's been there, living there, doing the thing with those things for as long as time has existed. You're going to find these patterns. Yeah. So in Japan, in Shinto, uh, specifically for a tree like the camphor tree, it has been a long time powerful tree. And because they have created this spiritualism where everything has this animate spirit within it, the more powerful and honorable and big, in fact, the biggest you have, mm. the bigger and more powerful it kind of feels. Like you are like, whoa, that thing is remarkable. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And you're just, <laughs> it's funny, like, um, you know, I was I was raised in a uh, loosely Christian household. Mm. We none of us were like super devout. We mm. we you know we prayed before dinner and went to church every Sunday, but we weren't like reading Bible passages to each other mm. for fun on a Sunday night or whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, and then you know that's the way I was raised. And then I kind of like explored some other options when I was in my twenties, and now I've kind of settled settled where I feel comfortable. Yeah. And then you're describing animism to me and I'm thinking, God, you know, that sounds really fucking important. (laughs) (laughs) Like we should be teaching this to everyone, regardless of religion. I don't know if that's even possible because it's quite contradictory to many religions. It is. It's contradictory specifically to things like Christianity. So, uh, camphor. Yeah. What were we talking about? Yes. So camphor clearly, uh, I mean, I I feel like we're leading to a point of like, well, camphor is extremely important to Shinto. Yes. Okay. And the reason it is, is what I said earlier is that it's a powerful tree. Yeah. It has power. And this is also something I've uh, been also thinking a lot lately. I can't share my thoughts, not because they're inappropriate, just because I haven't fully decided how they're going to be and what they are. It's essentially the idea of plants uh, being powerful entities. Mm. Um, If you think about it from the perspective of strange apes that start walking around on two legs and then smell this thing and crush it and they're like, wow, what the hell is that? Uh, They eat a little bit of it and it tastes really weird on their tongue. They eat a little bit of this and it kind of gets them high a little bit. Those plants are powerful. Exactly. Like they alter what you are, what your normal expectations are for existence. In that same way, Casey, a 
giant, giant, giant tree yeah. make you make you feel very small. Yeah. And you go, oh, that thing's really powerful because like, I'm tiny compared to it. Yeah, exactly. And then on top of that, you break the camphor leaves or you etch into the wood and you get this intense smell. Oh, really? Yes. And this is something that is known around the world for this tree specifically, wow. and it is the smell of camphor. What is it? It is a terpene. It's a, a pinene, a terpene. It's essentially a um, volatile organic substance, which is just like uh, as soon as you expose this oil or this thing to air, it kind of immediately volatizes, and then you smell it. Okay. Same thing with pines. If you uh, take a leaf of a true fir uh-huh. and you break it, you can smell it, and you're like... Oh, there's a Christmas tree smell, you know, and you cut into wood of a, of a small tree, specifically conifers, and you get that scent. Is that like when I peel an orange yes, and my whole yeah. apartment smells like oranges? Exactly. Those okay. are the volatile organic compounds. Volatile. Yes. And we would distill that from things like the wood, the twigs, the leaves, and we would get the essential oils. Ah, hey, Casey. Yeah. Huh? There's some essential oil uh, going right next there to you, you there. Go. What do you have in there? That's peppermint. Ah, okay. Well, it's not camphor. Well, maybe maybe if I thought this through, I could have done my fucking job and gotten <laughs> some camphor oil. Yeah, what the heck, man? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. So we take the volatile. I mean, volatile is almost like uh, a negative word it feels like to me no 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 no. it, it just means that it is uh it, it volatizes which means it goes from kind of a solid state uh-huh. to an aerosol state oh. so you can smell it very quickly okay yeah okay. yeah yeah and so mothballs are <laughs> an example so they are your camphor is used for things like mothballs and it is in the tree specifically an insecticide and oh a my fungicide. god and it also is wow. antimicrobial. So it's a substance that helps keep certain uh, insects and pathogens away from the tree. So it's a tree's defense system, which is why it's in all the parts, just like eucalyptus and other what, things like that. What is that substance called? It is camphor. Oh, that's the substance? Yes, we call it camphor. Okay, yeah. so when I go to the hardware store and buy like synthetic mothballs, yeah. these little white, have you seen these little white? Yes. Ta- like uh, tablets. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's just like concentrated camphor oil. It, it used to be. Now there's other things in it. Okay. But camphor is kind of the OG uh, point of it. I think it smells a lot better than what mothballs smell like these days. Okay. So it, it was the initial thing. In fact, camphor wood was moved over across the Silk Roads and was used for things like uh, the plague, the Black Plague. Oh. They would like take it and be like, ah, and they would use oh. it to like clear air around the area. Why would they do that? Well, it smells really yeah. good. And someone's like, wow, so this, the smell is way different and more intense and powerful. So they may have not known that it was doing anything, it fights the humors. Yes, but do you know what? It's an anti-insecticide, anti-flea uh, medicine. Ah. And before anyone says anything, I know fleas are arachnids, but... Oh, I don't it, think anyone was thinking that. Alex, we do not run in the same circles. I literally <laughs> felt someone text me at that exact moment. No, it's uh, it's there. They would still it kills and like keeps fleas away. They don't like yeah. the. It's it still is a 
pesticide in that regard. And, vi- and a lot of viruses are carried by uh, by insects. Exactly. Yeah, the okay. Black Plague was. It was not the rats. Yeah. It was the fleas that were on the rats. Right, right. So it helped, even though it also just like cleared the air, you know? Yeah. So they would use it during the Black Plague. They would also put it in uh, like burial things. So they would use some infusions and put a shroud on somebody and mm. that would help keep the fungus and things away from them and help keep them, uh, their bodies specifically like in ancient egypt yeah they would also build chests out of the wood and the chests would be natural uh natural barriers to different things coming in protect your uh protect your fine silk uh robes exactly silk is a natural substance that is eaten by certain things Mm. it is also uh rather in a similar vein, wool is a natural substance. Yeah. Many people would have their wool clothes smell like mothballs, smell like camphor, yeah. because they wanted to keep moths away. There you go. And wow. moths eat all these things. It is so funny to think about. I mean, we, t- we talked about sort of like ancestral knowledge last yeah. week. Mm-hmm. Like to, in today's world, we think, well, we now we really know a lot about these things. Yes. And now we can go and scientifically, you know, enter this in and, and synthesize whatever we want. Exactly. But I, I never like from, from making this podcast onward, I never want to, uh, undersell the sort of like power of in kind of like, uh, in, intuitive knowledge about these things. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because they didn't, they didn't have, the science to say, well, here's why putting camphor little bo- camphor balls in your chest mm-hmm. will keep moths out of your wool. Yeah, they just like they knew it somehow. Yeah, you know, trial and error, trial or, and error, and yeah. also it's the powerfulness of it. They yeah. they realize, aha, the maybe it's more of a respect thing where they said, ah, well, this tree is so powerful, even the insects respect it, oh. and they <laughs> will stay away if you do this. Yeah, it's like you cannot take away the spirituality of a people of a culture and then talk about their relationship with the natural world to any extent because they are all married together yeah so back to the camphor tree yes this is uh like we said one of the biggest trees and i've read that for trees specifically the bigger they are and if they're over a hundred years they are ripe for a kami so ah, that okay. is as they get older and bigger, mm-hmm. that's when spirits start to move in wow. and start to actually take residence. Oh, so it, it, it's not it's not necessarily true that every thing by default has a kami. I don't believe so. Yeah, okay. I think it's only certain things. But there are like kamis of the forest, you know? Sure. But then there are specific certain ones that live in certain things or embody certain things. I gotcha. So in this case, like let's say the um, ficus religiosa, our religious fig that... Uh, our fig tree that Buddha was underneath. The sacred fig. Exactly. So yeah. our, that sacred fig, now every fig is sacred. So they say, no, no, if that is a fig like this, that is a sacred tree. And it gets that. It's just, it's shoe in. Sure. It's a shoe in. Yeah. In this case, it's the only the ones that have clearly gained that power where spirit has said, yeah, I'm going to go there. I don't know. I'm going to make it my home. So you get a Totoro when you are a giant old camphor tree. Yeah. And that is what happened here. And you can also tell because around the camphor tree, I can't remember. It's the scene in the movie where the dad and the two girls, mm-hmm. um, they look for where Totoro was, where uh, May went in and was like, 
it was right here. Yeah. And she like crawls back in, crawls back out, and you can see her be really frustrated and be like, yeah, wow. it's kind of a uh, a Narnia thing. Yes, where like yeah. when you want to show somebody, it's not there. It's not there. Yeah, yeah. So then the dad says, "Well, let's go. Let's go into the forest and let's go. Let's go pray and kind of honor the spirits and, and say thanks and please show us this again." They walk back in, and even though you can tell the dad's kind of just just you know. He's playing along. He's playing along, which I think is so sweet. I love this. Yeah, do that. he doesn't refute her. She doesn't say, "Oh, this is pointless." Or yeah. it's just you were just imagining things. He like he humors her. Exactly, and it pays off, obviously. And so they then walk over and they find the camphor tree with the little shrine next to it, and it has this rope tied around it. Yes, with like um little pendants hanging. Yes, down. and that is called a sheminawa. Sheminawa. And Sheminawa is literally a rope. It's either rice straw or hemp or something like that. Uh-huh. And it is a sacred rope that's tied around big trees like this that literally is meant to to say, there is a spirit in here, this is a spiritual place, and it's to be honored. Don't be an asshole. Wow. Yeah. It's, okay. It, that is the whole point. So if you ever walk around and you see a tree that has a rope tied around it, that is a special tree. It's almost like heritage trees. Yes. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, yes, that's a perfect example. Yeah. But it's a, uh, it's, it's kind of like known, I guess, you know, mm. like it's, it's an age old spiritual tradition, but it's also, I think something that is used often today to just denote this is special. You yeah. Know? Let's yeah. honor this and give it its, give it its, its space. Interesting, Casey. I wonder what's on those. I mean, I've seen those like, I forget what they're called, little tat, little wooden tablets that hang from the rope. Yeah. Um, I've seen those in like uh, Buddhist traditions a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know what they say. Maybe they have like names on them or like yeah. reminders of stuff. Yeah, or, they might be little prayers of some yeah, kind too. Well, yeah. if anyone knows, yeah. let us know. Reach out to us. Share your knowledge. Please. Yes. So in Totoro, my neighbor, they find this tree and because it has this little shrine next to it, which yeah. is very common also um, in Japan, there is, in fact, a real great story. Sorry to do one last little quick like, huh? There okay. is there's a train station uh, that I read about, and this train station uh, is it's a let's see it's north of Osaka and it's the Kayashima Station. There is a huge camphor tree that is at least seven hundred years old. I have seen this, and it's been you seen the tree? You yeah. know what I'm talking about. It was right next to this train station, and then the train station got very busy. And they said, well, okay, we're going to have to expand the thing. And initially, they were just going to cut the tree down because it is what we do in humans' world today. If mm. there's a nature thing in the way, engineer your way around it. Yeah. Put your apartments over the top of that river. Don't even worry about it. Blech. It's now in a giant tunnel. Poor Haku. So in this case, uh, everyone was like, uh, no, this is a spiritual tree. There's a kami in there. Like, we, we, if we just cut it down, it's going to be bad luck for everybody, and this is going to be horrible. Like, yeah. let's not do that. And in fact, it sounds like somebody did something to this uh, this tree near the station years ago, mm. and like got sick. Like they cut a branch off or something. Oh wow! And then like the, by that night, they had a fever. Hey man, <laughs> don't fuck with Totoro. Exactly, don't fuck with Totoro. And then they ended up. Uh, That's so funny. Yeah, they built the they built a station around the tree, and I just. I don't know how many times I've bashed my head against somebody who insists they have to cut down this tree to do whatever it is that they want to do. Yeah. Instead of being like, 
Do you have any idea how famous this one random train station is now across the world? We two random white guys in Portland, Oregon are talking about it. Now, all these other <laughs> random people across the world are mm-hmm. going to be listening to this show, hopefully. And then finding, like learning about this station. It's like you made an architectural decision to save a tree for no other reason than the spiritual value that it had to the people around that tree that would be using that station. Mm-hmm. Then you have now said, okay, 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 okay. We're going to do this because, hey, guess what? We can literally engineer anything. Mm. So all they did is just engineer this train station around it. The tree's still alive. It's still kicking 700 years later. Yep. And they have this beautiful piece of like architectural curiosity. Hmm. And now you can go to this train station and touch this tree. There's a shrine at the base of it. There's a train that goes by. Everybody's happy. Wow. Why can't we do that everywhere else? (sighs) Well, Uh, that's a question. That's a big question. Yeah. Right. Um, and by that, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Casey. Interesting. And I wonder, you know, I wonder, um, I know that my neighbor Totoro, a lot of it is based on, um, Miyazaki's experiences as a child. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, maybe, maybe Miyazaki saw that tree at one time. What? (laughs) One time. Maybe Miyazaki saw that tree at one point or a tree similar to it. And like it just sparked something in him, and then here we are, yeah, decades later, uh, talking about a tree just like it, and it's, it's, uh, you know, it's become like a lesson now. That I bet you is completely accurate. Yeah. You know, like as soon as something like this happens, and you get to see the you get to see it and like, like I said last week, like you see children see it and they get the idea yeah. and they're like, Oh wow, this is cool. And like, you don't just steer people away to the, you know, real adult world, so to speak and say, ah, stop being foolish. There's no spirit in that tree. Yeah. Instead of you just like, like allow that to exist. Totally. Because who's to say it doesn't. I mean, for literally our entire existence until 2000 years mm. ago, most people thought that. Like around the world, like it was the majority opinion. Yeah. And then, I mean, not to get too off topic here, but like how many big like Galileo uh, was called a heretic because he said that that the uh, was Galileo the one said the the sun does not revolve around the earth. Yes. Or the universe does not revolve around the earth. Yeah. Yeah. And um, but up until then, everybody was positive that it did. Exactly. You know, like we keep making these big breakthroughs and I I think it's. And I'm, I say this without an ounce of irony. I think that one day we may, science may say, you know what, actually, what we call spirit exists in all these things. Yeah, I'm sure it can. And then I, everybody yeah. will go vegan overnight. <laughs> <laughs> or at least honor the animal you're about to eat. Yeah. Like that's, I think, the big thing because it just giving the respect and the agency to the natural world, whatever part of it it is, or this other thing, it's essentially putting a name to something so it can be humanized and you can relate to it. And if you do that, and then you give that a couple thousand years of human imagination, now you get personified versions of this, and you get this big furry bunny looking thing (laughs) that lives inside of this tree, like literally and figuratively, it lives inside of this tree. Yes. Is it the tree? Well, I don't know. Like, how are we defining that? Totally. I, I also think that, you know, in the same way that like a Christian woman from Missouri can like meditate and uh, practice mindfulness, mm-hmm. which is a Buddhist practice, mm. um, 
I think that anyone can apply, uh, you know, sort of the framework of animism to their to their everyday life, no matter yeah. what your kind of religious beliefs. Yeah, and honestly, I believe praying is just a different form of meditation. Yeah, it's like pray pray to God about something. That's really just why don't you think about it for a while, and God will help lead you. Right, you are meditating yeah. to get this answer from God. Yes, sure, that sounds great. And I think that people can just do that to as many different entities as they feel necessary. Like uh, many of my friends go out and go to rock or go out and go rock climbing because they find that to be a spiritual event. Like they're Mm. really sitting there like concentrating so hard on this rock face while they're trying to get up and climb to the top. Like there's, it's full of metaphor. My Totally. Oh my God. Yeah. So you got to think that, you know, everyone has their own way of doing these kinds of meditative moments. That's my ultimate theory is that we're all, no matter like what it looks like, we're all doing basically the same thing Mm, and we're worshiping basically the same thing. We're praying to basically the same thing. I think so. Yeah. Um, that's my take. Wow. What a good take, Alex. (laughs) Thanks Casey. Uh, now we got to take a break, but when we get back, (laughs) we are going to talk about our review of this camphor tree and then we're going to talk about my neighbor Totoro so stay tuned to Completely Arbitrary's Triyazaki Whoa sweet man cave Thanks serious upgrade How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep, the application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs, just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Welcome back to Triazaki. That was our discussion of the camphor and so much more. You know what, Casey? Yes, Alex? I am not going to edit most of that out. Oh, yeah. I think it was a fun, interesting conversation. It really, I feel like uh, some people, like, you know, you put your head out the window and then you kind of feel like, oh, I just got like blasted by a bunch of things. Uh I feel like that might have been for some people. Maybe our, our apologies, but we had fun. I yeah, we did. which I, is also important. Yeah, I'm I'm good with it. <laughs> uh, that was our discussion of the camphor. Hey, it's time for a review of this wonderful tree. Here's how it works. We're gonna give some final thoughts on the camphor, and then we are going to give it a rating of zero to ten, kami. 
Yes. And uh, and and Casey as our. Uh, remember last week we certified you as a Shinto expert. Yes, thanks everyone. We begin with you. Uh, also, my apologies. <laughs> uh, I am going to. Uh, hey, expertise is relative. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I know more than you, therefore I am your expert. Exactly. Yes, and I have other experts as well. Mm-hmm. The camphor tree. I love the camphor tree because it is such an interesting gigantic tree mm. and i have always heard about the camphor uh just because it's a very popular tree like everyone knows the term camphor like yeah. it's it's a standard kind of thing um but i didn't know about the tree a lot of times in fact through this podcast i have been able to learn all about the things that come from different trees or learn that the things that I know of come from trees. And I think it's fascinating. Yeah. Nutmeg is a great example. I had no idea about nutmeg until we were like, well, oh, what about nutmeg? And like, look at like, oh, it's a tree. Oh my God. I had no clue. <laughs> so like it gives me at least the opportunity to learn about all these, the, the histories and where these things came from, which yeah. is the other related topics. Exactly. Casey. It's, it's what I love and it's what I believe in very thoroughly. Yeah. And so we, with the camphor tree, I think it's fascinating because a now I kind of feel like I know it more. Mm. I've seen them down in San Francisco and places like that. Apparently, uh, my friend Brandon uh, just hung out with him last night watching a, a, a mushroom um, class that we're taking together, and he's uh, he was like, "Oh yeah, well they sure don't like root pruning," and he said it kind of funny because he used to be a, an arborist down in down in uh, San Francisco. Uh. So he's uh, he knows it differently than I do. Okay, um, but I think it's fun because now it's like just so casual for him. He's like, "Oh yeah, don't prune the roots. They they hate that." <laughs> and so it's like just a very casual knowing. And I'm like, God, I barely even know this tree's name. Yeah. So it is a tree that I think is like so well known, but also kind of unknown and known very differently to different people. It is invasive in certain parts of the world, like I said, Australia, Florida, and yet in other parts, it's revered as a literal spirit right. and has shrines next to it. And I just love that kind of tree that, you know, plays every role and has 10 different faces wherever it's at. It's a metaphor in itself, Casey. It is. It is. It's a metaphor. I love that this tree does all the things that it does in terms of being a medicine and being a useful piece of material, like making uh, things out of it out of its wood mm-hmm. making uh using its distillations in uh in different products cosmetics is a big thing but also mm. um different like natural means of keeping insects away and fungus and things like that yeah and well let's just get right down to it it's a huge tree i love big trees you love Alex. a superlative tree i love a superlative tree so the biggest tree in japan now i know that i love that 8.9 wow 8.9 that's what I'm talking about. Golden Golden Totoro's of Honor. Triyazaki is a success. <laughs> We've done it. <laughs> 8.9 Golden Kamis of Honor or, that, or Totoro. O Totoro's. O Totoro. <laughs> How about uh, 8.9 um, Golden Etsy Totoro plushies of Honor? Oh, that sounds good. In fact, actually, hold on. Uh, Casey's taking off his sweatshirt. Yeah. Are you just too warm? No, I have a Totoro shirt. Oh, my God. Yeah, what do you think? 
When did you get this? Carrie, let me borrow it. Oh my God. She was like, do you want to wear this? And I was like, you have a, you have a Totoro shirt? Oh, that's great. It depicts the cat bus. Yes, the cat bus with everyone waiting, uh, I think, at the at the thing. At the bus stop, yeah. Wow, fabulous shirt. I love the design of that. It's cool. It's a nice, yeah. yeah it's a, it's what a, a nice reveal. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I almost forgot about it. You're a fan after all. <laughs> oh, it's a cute movie. It is. It's a cute, it's a cute movie. <laughs> oh, but before we talk about cute movies we have to talk about cute ratings uh yes. specifically from cute alex oh casey mm. you, you, i'm blushing uh well we think it's cute <laughs> here we go i think the camper's fabulous in the movie yeah when it's first revealed there's like this and this is a theme I, i'm noticing this in a, in a lot of uh miyazaki films there are like beauty shots of trees uh, uh-huh. or like, like pan up the whole tree, you yeah. know, and there's like swelling music playing. It's just, it's really focuses a lot of attention on the tree. Mm-hmm. There's a great one in spirited away. Um, there's a shot of the tree that when it's first revealed to may this huge fucking tree and it is big. And I was like, that's probably creative license. Mm. Because that is a really, really, really big tree, especially for like a broadleaf tree. Yeah. Now that we've discussed it, I'm kind of like, oh, I think that's just like an accurate representation of how big this tree is. Yeah. And I think what's important is also that it's from a tiny little girl. Because fair, this is something that is like I remember as a kid, like whoa, yes. like when I was a tiny little kid looking at something. Yeah. That today I'm like, eh, it's big, but it's not giant. And and from listening to a couple interviews with Miyazaki, I know that he he made this film very much from the perspective of a child in many ways. Yeah. Um. So that makes sense. But my my point stands. It's a huge, huge tree. It's huge. And I love the way it like goes out as much as it goes up. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I love the, I love the sort of, the sort of, uh, I've I've seen a few photos of like the really massive ones, Casey. I love the form it takes. Like that's, that really takes center stage for me with this tree. Mm -hmm. The leaves I can take or leave. I don't think we talked. Oh yes. We did talk about the flowers. Yes. I can Uh, take or leave. But we didn't talk about the fruit. The fruit's a little black, little black droops. Oh, see, I'm, yeah. eh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but I think center stage for me in this review is the form. And I just love looking at these trees. I would love to see one of these giants in Japan. Yeah. I would especially love to see one that has, you know, uh, a kami living inside of it, like yeah. we talked about. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm giving this bad boy. Mm-hmm. I got to go for it. 9.2. Wow, 9 point. That's a great score. Golden Kami of Honor. Golden Kami of Honor. Now, if you had done 9 as well, Casey, you got you almost got there. I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I I almost did, but it's still a dumb broadleaf tree. Oh my fucking god. That was our review of the camphor. Hey, it's time for the piece de resistance. It is Ghibli talk. Casey, let's talk my neighbor Totoro. All right. This was, of course, your first time seeing it. It is. That's correct. Uh, it, I believe it was my second time 
Although I don't really remember much from the first time around. Oh, uh, yeah. And I was shocked by some things on my second viewing. Ooh, what were you shocked by? Well. Also, spoilers, everyone. So go watch it. Pause here. Oh, yes. You can find all these movies that we're talking about this month on HBO Max if you yes. happen to have a subscription. So this is my second time. I, I did not remember at all the fact that the reason they move out to the country was that the mother is sick. Yes. And is in the hospital. So they're moving closer to the hospital. Mm-hmm. But there's still a three-hour walk, even for an adult. Yes. Um, and I, I completely forgot about that part and sort of the tension of like having a parent you know, not only away from you, but like really sick in, yeah. in a, in a hospital. And we don't know what exactly she's sick of. Well, it's never stated clearly in the movie, but yeah. I did some reading uh-huh. and as a child, Miyazaki's mother had tuberculosis. Oh. And a lot of this is based on his childhood. I see. <clears throat> and they had to move out to the country to get clo- to move rather closer to a hospital that yeah, she was staying at. I see. Um, so I think it's, it's safe to say that it's based, her illness is based on tuberculosis. Gotcha. I didn't remember anything about that. I also forgot about a pretty key plot point, which is that uh, the younger sister, May, goes missing. Yeah. Um, and it's not like she goes missing and then uh, Satsuki, which is the older sister, mm-hmm. is like looking for her and we like occasionally cut to May and see that she's fine. Yeah. But but Satsuki is still looking for her. It's like we don't know, like we as the audience don't know where May is either. Yeah, we don't know what happened to her. We don't know where she, they, they're dredging the river to see if she if she drowned. Yeah, because they find a, a little sandal. Yeah, it's yeah. horribly stressful. And that was my big takeaway from this movie, Casey. Mm. I really, I, I know that I was supposed to watch it for like, you know, uh, a look at Shinto or the trees involved, the camphor tree specifically. But I was sort of wrapped up in the relationships between all the, f- the family members. Mm-hmm. I have something to say about the dad too. Um, and then like the tension, the stress of like the sick mother. And then they get that fucking, I mean, this, this, this really attacked my anxiety, Casey, uh-huh. like very pointedly because they get a, a telegram. Yeah. Yeah. That just to, like call the hospital. Yeah. It's urgent. And you're like, oh, and with oh, no, no other information. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then like May has or uh, Satsuki has to call her dad and yeah. like can't get through right away. And then the dad has to call the hospital. And it's like this whole thing. Um, yeah, because it also takes place in the 1950s. So it's a yes. very, you can't just not everyone has a phone. Not everyone can just like make things happen that fast. Yeah, you can't just like call the hospital. Well, yeah. I guess you they, you can call the hospital. Um yeah, so I was really focused on sort of the uh, the relationships between all the characters and the portrayal of like young, uh, you know, young rascals mm-hmm. in a new place. Yeah, um, and the the uh, <laughs> the part that I was uh, quote supposed to be focused on the nature aspect, I kind oh. of like didn't really pay that much attention to. Oh. Um, but yeah, that that was my that was my big takeaway, Casey. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, well, you really you really applied yourself to the the drama of the of the of the people specifically, yeah, sort of the background story. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I think it was the foreground story. I think that was the story, and there was more of a setting around it, maybe. Yeah, I guess I just mean like that's the framework that the movie is happening in. Yeah, I see. But you know the the Totoro, the title character, yeah, is sort of like. I think sort of supposed to be like 
the crux of the you know his relationship with the girls and yeah uh, his role in the story yeah and what, so what I was picking up with that is that they they were going through a rough and scary time and uh, they seem to be quite happy with moving to uh, the the forest or moving to the country rather yeah yeah and but then you learn later that uh, it, this has happened before like oh mom just has a cold like she's gonna be fine and then she's at the hospital again and then the girls are basically like this is not fine this has happened before we yeah. know we get it mom's gonna die yeah and like it's a big moment you know and it's like a big thing and they get in a fight yeah, there's they're two very close sisters, which I think is important. Mm-hmm. Like they're not they don't fight. They have a very good relationship. Yeah. And uh they're both like very brave also. Like when I was a kid, I would be terrified to like go up into attics and look around and be spooked. When they're just they go up there and scream and they're like, All right, let's go explore. Yeah, they I'm they're like, how do you do that? They're very like uh they're very willful and sort of um uh just like very curious. Yeah. Almost to the yeah. point where they have no fear. Yeah, exactly. And then I think that also is is brought to them with nature and animism in a larger sense mm. where the the forest and specifically Totoro is this entity of the forest, this spirit that is personified through the tree and the tree itself like causes the wind. And they, that was a big thing at the very beginning. This wind came through and it's a scary wind at night. And the dad had to be like, just laugh, just laugh and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And then they end up learning that it's actually Totoro who's going around creating the wind and all of a sudden it's not scary anymore. Yeah. And so it's like the, they move out to this country where everything initially can kind of seem a little daunting and scary and other, they're like, no, it's, there's just spirits out there hanging around. Just go just go be with them. And then it becomes not only something that is kind of fun and interesting and cute and you can poke it and rub its little nose and mm-hmm. sneeze, but it then becomes also this thing that they turn to in times of the, the biggest trouble. And the forest is just utterly not concerned. Yeah. And that I almost took as like, if, if May had had perished for whatever reason and Totoro had to be like this is the way of the forest you know I'm just gonna sit on the top of my tree and I'm gonna play my flute in honor or the forest is also like everything's fine like don't worry about it let's go let's go find me like I'll show you that everything is okay yeah so it could be like either side of that and i think it also portrays the 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 harshness of nature in a very comforting way mm. where at the end of it you just have these little spirits sitting on top of the tree playing their <laughs> flutes and hanging out and then at one point that can be comforting but at the other time it could be almost somber you know yeah of course the whole movie is played in this very like happy-go-lucky kind of way yeah so i don't know it seemed to me like uh all those things were were backdropped against uh, Totoro as this main character, like the titular character. Yeah. But it's it's really not like Totoro. That would be, this movie is about this character. But my neighbor Totoro kind of seems like you're, it's coming from the perspective of the of the girls mm-hmm. so they are still the main characters and they are more titular it's my i think you could also say is ah. the titular. not may but my is in my neighbor very it's good like yeah you're talking from that perspective of that person sure so oh it's like i love lucy as like the titular character is actually ricky because he's saying i love lucy yes yeah, he's yeah, yeah. The I. yeah you totally got it interesting yeah. And so I think that that is, uh, it's, it's something that um, I think is an interesting kind of play. And again, there's also like things lost in translation, but I think that my neighbor Totoro is such a funny, like casual term. And it's like, oh, it's just my neighbor. And it's like, it is your neighbor, but your neighbor is, is this spirit, the forest, the entity. And it becomes this like that spirit, this entity 
becomes as useful as your literal other neighbors in finding May, the little girl. Yeah. They all got together and everyone was looking. That's right. And he was like, oh yeah, well hold on, let me just switch the cat bus over. Yeah, there you go. Okay, go. Go, go find her. Yeah, there. he makes it so easy. And that's, I mean, from a, from a, you know, looking at this as a film, mm-hmm. And this is kind of interesting role reversal, Casey, because you look at trees as trees yes. and I look at them more emotionally, usually. Mm-hmm. And now you are looking at the the film sort of, uh, you know, uh, from that perspective. And I am looking at it as a three act film uh, with yes. tension and release and characters. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm just starry eyed over here. Well, <laughs> it's, it's good to walk in each other's shoes. Uh-huh. Um, so at you know, part of the part of what I didn't like about this film was that there's so much tension building throughout. Like the mom being in the hospital is kind of like this underlying tension, right? Yeah. And then May goes missing. It's like, what the fuck else is going to happen? Mm-hmm. And then Totoro comes along and calls on the cat bus. And then the cat bus literally, it's almost like a deus ex machina where the cat bus just like rolls to... We're going to May. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then yeah, just yeah. takes her to May. Uh-huh. And then it goes rip, 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 the hospital and takes them to the hospital. And they yeah. see that everything's fine with their mom. Mm-hmm. It felt a little deus ex-ish. I don't know what you mean by that. Deus ex machina means uh, uh, like a machine of God or like an act of God. Oh. Where like some big saving savior thing will just kind of come out of nowhere. Gotcha. At the end of a film. Like mm-hmm. where you can imagine the writer going, hmm. I've set up all this conflict and drama. Now, how do I wrap it up? Now, how do oh, I it? a giant monster comes out of the heavens and helps every and saves everybody. Uh, yeah, it's the eagles in uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, in a way, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, how how does that? You know, you have to set that up and like, yeah, what, is, what does that mean for the rest of the characters? So that I got that vibe a little bit from it, but I do think I'm missing the point. But that mm. is the point that I got. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah, I guess I don't know. Yeah, it's curious because I always thought that it was more like Totoro is the is the person who has been there the whole time who does that. The cat bus is just he is able to call the cat bus. Yeah, as another spirit kind of thing. Yeah, it's almost like a tool in the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Where I'd be like, no, no, no. This is Totoro's the one who who was really responsible for that. For sure. Again, as the neighbor who's like, yeah, I'm your neighbor. I can also help. Don't just depend on people. Depend on the spirits. Yeah, there you go. That's great, Case. Yeah. I, I also really want to quickly mention um, the father in this movie. Yeah. Just a great dad. He seems like a nice guy. He's amazing. And there's, you know, there's so much media that depicts like the classic sitcom dad Mm -hmm. who's just like drunk and useless, basically another child in the home for the mom to take care of. Yeah. Stupid, unhelpful. And it's always so great to see a piece of media depict a good father yeah and not like going out of his way just just being like normal normal good yeah just like meeting expectations yeah (laughs) um you know he he moves his family out Uh, here it's very stressful (laughs) for him too i mean i'm sure yeah his wife is sick his wife is sick yeah and his girls are in this new place and he makes the best of it and he helps them he doesn't dismiss them when you know he doesn't say oh you're just imagining things he like goes out there with them to see the forest spirit Mm -hmm. um he's you know like a smart guy he works for a university and he he he's never dismissive even though the things happening to these girls are very like 
unbelievable yeah. and fantastical. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's just a great dad. And I read that he was a, a lot of the father figures in um, Miyazaki's films are based on his own dad. Mm, yeah, yeah. Who was just like apparently a, a stand-up guy, a very yeah. sensitive man. And, yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I also picked up on that. Like he, he didn't ever like pass off anything that they were saying. He was yeah. just like, yeah, okay, let's, let's go out and look at the spirits. Like, totally. let's do it. And like just steered into it. And that could explain why the kids were just also still so happy. Yeah. You know, very refreshing. Yeah, exactly. Good dad. Well, the last thing I want to know is yeah. the one scene where they, they, uh, they get all the acorns, uh, where the, the acorns are there kind of the whole time. Yeah. Right. Which I think is adorable. Yeah. I, I love when like an acorn, like a natural thing that kids will find is the main thing, you know, it's not yeah. like gold or some other, right. you know, some strange thing that some kids collecting. Like, it's like, it's a little acorn. An acorn is like a treasure to a little child. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And Casey's too. <laughs> anyway, uh, but they plant them, right? And they uh-huh. plant them in this garden. And uh, there's got to be some metaphor that I'm just missing or haven't quite put together about. Um, the The kid said, we planted all these acorns that we got from, uh, from this gift, from the spirit. And we planted them in your garden. We're really excited about that. And then they go out, uh, they see Totoro going around, like jumping over and like kind of doing some, some almost shrine, like, uh, not, not a shrine, like doing a little performative ceremony. Yeah. Type ceremony. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, they go and, uh, they go out there and they just join in and then he like pushes up his umbrella and like makes this thing. And then a little thing goes pop. And yeah. then you get this little tree and then it grows into not only a forest, but a gigantic tree. Yes. And they experience it. It's not an imaginatory thing, but then you're like the, the spirit is using the umbrella that they gave him to pop up all these little things. Yeah. And then they grow a forest. And I feel like it's, it's a metaphor for like, Hey, everything's going to be, everything's going to be fine. And they watch the tree go from, or the space go from kind of barren soil to, a gigantic tree in no time. And it almost shows like, uh, shows the kids like, yeah, plant, plant thing. This is what it can become. Yeah. And then it may not happen immediately. In fact, you never see, you just, they go out and the two little, uh, cotyledons (laughs) pop up and you have these two little adorable leaves coming up and they're super stoked and they know what that can become. So it becomes also this, this metaphor for the, the spirits like creating, something or showing you the potential for what it could be when right now it's just blank soil. Very good case. And they were also like, they were also like a, a very integral part of that. Yeah. They didn't happen on the side without them knowing they like took part in this. They, it participated. Yeah. Which is really important. Have kids participate in stuff. Yeah. It's going to be great. Especially nature things. Exactly. Like if you're going to plant a garden in your, in, in your backyard, have your kid go out there. I mean, they may hate it, depending on the kid. Yeah. Have them go out there and dig some dig some holes. Yeah, exactly. Plant some tomato plants. It's mostly, yeah, maybe you do the hole digging unless they really want to, and then just plant the things, because people love that. Like, That's true. I think well, most people love to do just a little bit, a little bit of gardening, just because then you can watch it grow. It's one of my favorite things to do whenever I plant a flower or plant a thing. I always say flower, and I mean vegetable or whatever. Sure. But you go out and you can watch it grow every day, and you can see, oh, it's just a little bit bigger now. Yeah. There's another leaf, there's a little flower. Like, I just love that. I think it's everyone does. Very exciting. Yeah, it really is. Well, there you go. That's my neighbor Totoro. My neighbor Totoro. Casey, it's time for the completely arbitrary AMA. Oh, what a fun way to put it. This week, we got a question. And what is it, Alex? And you know what? It's from 
Again, it's from Not Set. Wow, I love Not Set. <laughs> We're working on that, folks. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> this question says, what makes a 10 a 10? Ooh. Or to put it a different way, when you picture a perfect tree, what characteristics does it have? How curious. Well, Casey, yeah. So when you, and I have a pretty good good idea. Maybe ooh. we should do each other's. That'd uh, be fun. Ooh. Oh, okay. And yeah. then we can supplement with, you know. Oh. But ooh. when you're... When you are like, yes, this tree is a fucking ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. I, I know that you have some some uh, some criteria for that. I do as I do. do I? Um, do you want to try giving each other? So Ooh, then, yes, I think so. Correcting and replacing. Yeah. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I'll go first. All right. So I think your perfect ten out of ten tree. Mm-hmm. You love a superlative tree. I do. I love a tree that is a superlative tree. And like not almost superlative. It has to be the tallest mm-hmm. number mm-hmm. one yeah or it has to be the widest or the oldest yeah and i think that's a big yeah. part of your criteria mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i also know that you love conifers yes i do i like conifers best you have a bit of a conifer bias not that that's a bad thing no it's it a very should... good thing i will admit that it is probably <laughs> the way that most people should live their lives sure with a conifer bias <laughs> and and you love the pacific northwest because you you grew up here and you like it here i do yes and correct. so i am looking at I'm looking at a uh, the tree that the trees that you would give a perfect ten out of ten yeah. are probably going to land in the Pacific Northwest. They're going to be a conifer, and they're going to be the tallest tree in the world. Yeah, or like one of the yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's pretty good. So, yeah. I mean, uh, you you got your coast redwoods, and, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, um, your uh, your bristlecone pines. pines. I think those are the only two, so far as yeah. I know. Not really Pacific Northwest trees. But yeah, but yeah, it's, West they're, coast. they're the Western conifer sort. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I'll I'll comment on it, and then I'll do you. Okay. Because I also think uh, a big thing for me is like how fascinating and interesting the tree is in a physical sense. Because I like spiritual trees. I think they're important. But yeah. I also don't make a lot of my perfect tens out of uh, a spiritual place. Mostly because most people have a different spiritual relationship with any tree. Like some people, every tree is a 10 out of 10. Sure. And other people have a different relationship with it. It's not that I'm trying to honor all relationships by having zero relationship kind of thing. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm not going to give out any candy to anybody because I don't have enough for everyone. Right. It is more of a thing where when I look at a tree, my relationship isn't so much. I mean, it probably is to some extent. I just don't really know how to describe it. But it's not so much of a spiritual thing um, in a strict sense where I believe in, you know, essentially the Kamir Kadama of a tree, Kodama. It is more of a when I see one and I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, look how complex it is. And like, look what it had to do because I, I, I try to see the tree as it has grown and the story that it's gone through, that it's put on itself year after year after year for ideally thousands of years. And those are the kind of trees I'm just like, wow. Yeah. Like, it's got to stun me. Even if it's not the biggest tree in the world, necessarily, it, if it has a, a stunning story in and of itself, biologically sure. speaking and physically speaking, that's just what does it for me. Almost like a, a literally legendary yeah. tree. Yeah, 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 yeah. The more yeah. legendary it is in a in a physical sense, uh, the more I am like stunned by it. Great. In contrast, mm. I think that you are someone who gets more 
uh, more driven by a metaphysical sense <laughs> of a tree uh-huh. in two ways. One, uh, a perfect 10 for you uh, is a tree that has such an immense spiritual and uh, cultural value that you're just like, wow, like mm. that is that has power to it in a in a sense that can't be grasped. You can't look at it, you can't touch it. But you you know it's there. It's more than a tree. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the more it the more of more than a tree it can be, the more likely you are to raise that value. Yeah. I also think that you are a aesthete, an aesthete. <laughs> I kind of mash those together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're one who uh, has an eye for aesthetics. So if a tree is kind of the biggest, but it doesn't really shine, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, great. It's it's one of the biggest buildings in the world, but it's just made of nothing but concrete. Right. It's not going to do it for you. But it could be a smaller building made with such an eye towards good design and well-placed colors and schemes that'll also raise you up. So totally. the aesthetic value of a tree writ large, I think is something else. The final thing mm. is it needs to have a mango growing on it. <laughs> yes. That is, I think, the thing. Maybe <laughs> maybe not just a mango, but some fruit that you just cannot yeah. cannot live without because it's so delicious. Yes. Because you are also someone who is not driven by, but driven towards experimenting and finding really good food and really having appreciation for that. Yeah. So if it can come from a tree, you're like, yeah, that's the game over, man. I think you nailed it, Case. Yes. Especially the mango thing. Yeah, that's pretty simple because you just gave a mango 10 out of 10 and I believe your reason was it makes mangoes. <laughs> yeah, like no shit. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing that mangoes just like come from a tree. They, they just grow that way. They just grow. They just pop out. It's like the most perfect food. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you nailed it. Yes. Nice right. job. That's what it takes to be a 10 out of 10. Thank you so much for your question. That was interesting. I'm really interested to hear what other people look for in a good tree yeah. a 10 out of 10 honestly that should be a post i want to know about this maybe we'll maybe we'll put this somewhere so people can comment because we want to know yeah please because i'm curious because like i said every like everyone has a different opinion like someone might be like uh yeah actually oranges are 10 out of 10 because oranges are like way better than bananas or right. anything else uh mango whatever and they I don't, don't care. care what it looks like yeah exactly totally yeah. so it could be if you've got a question for us join up on Completely arbitrary. Tremium. That's right. Our exciting new support platform. We have a couple of different plans on there. We have annual subscriptions. We have gifted subscriptions. And you get lots of bonus audio content. That's right. And you get monthly cone stickers, depending on where you land. It's a lot of fun. And you get to ask us questions, and we get to answer them on this show. Yes, and the more questions we get, the more we do. The AMA is actually going to be answered all in big extra episodes. Yes. That's how how we do it. But we also take individual questions from it as we go along. That's right. So sign up at that $6 level and get your question answered either on air or also on air. (laughs) <laughs> so there's two different airs here there is there is there's a lot of there's a lot of airs here um hey <laughs> it's not great for a science podcast <laughs> lots of airs uh, yo alex oh you mean okay you. uh that's come that's arbitrarypod.supercast.com to support this show that you love so much and we love you so much for supporting it casey clap alex gross and we did it we did it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I, I dragged Totoro a little bit, oh. but even, even a, you know, 
for me, a mid-shelf Miyazaki film is a great experience. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's all relative, but it's all top tier. Anyway. Hey, this is why I still like Star Wars episodes one, two, and three. Oh, brother. Mm-hmm. I'll well, stand by it. We'll have our theme month on that at some point. <laughs> we just review rocks and <laughs> sand. Revenge of the Pith. We've oh, talked about that. we have. Oh, <laughs> Attack God. of the Cones. This is so good. It's literally asking for it. The Phantom Fur. We already did yes, it. Yes, we've, we've done this, yeah. Uh, and hey, next week... Week, we've got Nausicaa. So if you're following along and watching all these movies with us, mm-hmm. watch Nausicaa, gather your thoughts, and send us an email because it is going down. That's right. Hello at arbitrarypod.com. That's right. That's our email. Should we so you know. Yeah, I, we got that. Okay, I just want to show everyone's like, <laughs> is he saying so, hello to someone I, over there? At I that did place? think you were seeing a ghost in a, a commie uh, in my home. Yeah. The spirit of my apartment nice, complex. The spirit of the bass guitar. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to Completely Arbitrary's Triyazaki. We will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>